Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. Two o'clock. It's time to change. You got to rearrange on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Birds and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, apparently still dealing with some vocal issues. That's all right. We'll work through that. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only John Gambadaro. That's not like the second time in the last week that that's happened. Gambo, I slipped on some ice. You got all Peter Brady right there with that voice changing. Oh, man, man, I'm telling you, oh. man, when it's it's it, I'm still dealing with a little after effects. I was never really that sick, but it's obviously kind of up in my nose and in my head a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, it's like slipping on ice there for a minute. Yeah, slipping on ice. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What's yeah. going on? How are you? Well, speaking of ice, did you enjoy that story I sent you today about the 25th anniversary of the movie Titanic? I did. I oh. did enjoy that. <laughs> Could he have lived? Could he have died? You know, so. I always think about that because, you know, me. I'm, I'm not. I go in my pool every night, even in the winter time. Like I go in, like to like. I, I know you guys, Lauren's looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, I go in my pool at night before I go to bed, and then I always wake up two, three times a night, and then I go in the pool because uh, I like to get my body really, really cold. So the pool water's freezing right now, and it has been for a couple of months. So I like going. So I always, I always when I watch that movie, I was like, I could have lasted a little bit longer than he could have because I go in that cold freaking water, and I'm like, all right, you know, I can, I can like it's cold. Like it is cold, but I I don't just go in and out. I stay in for a little bit. I get my body freezing, and then I like to go to sleep after my body gets cold. So it's the 25th anniversary of the movie Titanic, yeah. and one of the complaints that the director of the movie, James Cameron, has heard over the years was that there was no reason Jack should have died. Rose should have just moved over on the piece of wood, and they both would have lived. Totally. Rose, been, Rose was very selfish. He's been hearing about this for 25 years, yeah. so apparently he took two stunt people and went into like a tank of water and tested three different outcomes, three different scenarios. Scenario one, they both get on the piece of wood. But then the wood, but then it sinks a little bit and they're both halfway underwater. Yeah, the, the wood sinks, they're too yeah. much underwater, they freeze to death, they die. Scenario two, Rose stays on the wood, but Jack gets like the upper torso of his body on the wood. The vital just, organs. Yeah, yes, and the vital organs are warm and the legs are in the water. Maybe Jack lives. Maybe, yeah. And then option number three is that Rose gives Jack the, the life vest that she's wearing and he floats in the water she floats on the wood until the lifeboats come. He he concedes that had that happened, Jack might have lived. Right. That it's possible Jack would have lived. Well, they weren't, the think, they weren't thinking straight. They That's just were not true. thinking straight when That's the true. Titanic sunk and, yeah. you know. So, you know it, what it, I remember about that movie, just real quick? I remember a lot of people thinking that, you know the old lady that threw the, threw the yes. uh, what, what was it called? The heart of the ocean or whatever it was? Right. Yeah, the jewel. The yeah. jewel into the A lot of people thought that was real, a, a real person from the Titanic. For <laughs> I know, I swear. <laughs> a lot of people at that time thought that she was real, like that she was real, that she was really from the Titanic. Yeah. Speaking of things that sunk really fast, let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Atlanta is going to come to Phoenix and get a blowout victory. Final score, 132-100. The Hawks beat the Suns. Suns fall to 27-26. They are now 19-9 here at home at the Footprint Center. Turned that one off real early last night, Gambo. Real you did, early. did you? Oh, yeah. There was no reason to watch oh, that one. Man. After about halfway through the third quarter, I'm yeah. like, Peace out. I'm done. Good night, so, everybody. See I actually, in my notes that I send, you know, we do emails and I send a note to you. And for my fourth quarter, because I my notes were kind of funny today. Third quarter, I'm like, it got worse. The lead got to 25 on a Trey Floater, 26 on a Murray three, 29 on a Capella putback, 31 on a Collins bank shot. And then Chris Paul hit his first basket of the game with three minutes and 59 seconds left in the third quarter. That was his first basket. Then I go, it got to 32 on a Trey three-pointer, 35 when Bogdanovich hits a three, 37 when Trey hits a floater. Then in my fourth quarter, I'm like, it got to 38 on a three by Bogdanovich. My next note, I thought this was kind of funny. The crowd was that was still there cheered two missed free throws by Murray with eight minutes left. And then I wrote, yes, I am still watching. <laughs> yes, I am still watching. Why? The crowd cheered the missed free throws by Murray. And then it got to 41 on a three by Akonwu. And then 43, finally a 43. It was a jumper by Holiday. Oh. And it was a 43-point lead. I just wanted to see how high it could go. You know, sometimes when you, you know, you watch a train wreck, you watch stuff like that you know it was like watching Mike watching Mike Tyson knock somebody out and just watching it yeah that's what it was it was brutal it was a brutal basketball game for the Phoenix Suns and, and it started off bad and then it got worse and then it got worse and then it got worse and it just kept getting worse the next time you complain about how overworked you are, I'm going to bring today up and just remind you, you're bringing this on yourself, man. You're, yeah, you're doing this to you. I know. You're taking notes of a 30-whatever point game in the middle of the fourth quarter. What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? I actually what? wrote it down. The crowd was still What's, there, cheered two missed what, what, free throws by Murray with eight. They went crazy. They went crazy. With eight, eight minutes left, they were going nuts. Man, turn off the TV. Walk away. Go go jump in your cold pool. Oh, Do just, something. Just walk I, away, I mean, Renee. Yeah, they it was it was bad. I, I turned it off much earlier than that, and I I didn't take a single note. Uh, there was no reason to. It was it was evident from almost the start that the Suns were just unwilling, unable, incapable of making a game out of that. And I mean, Bridges was fine, Aiton was fine, Chris Paul was non-existent early on. The bench was invisible. I mean, there was just no contribution from the bench early defensively. They were awful. Atlanta was tearing them apart. How is Atlanta a 500 team? I watch, you a watch lot of, that game like, how is that a 500? Man, they're good. There's a lot of talent there. I, I mean, you just you look at the roster, and it's and it's Collins, and it's Murray, and it's Trey Young, and you wonder. Kanu and Johnson, and Mike yeah. Bogdanovich. Like, man, how is that a 500 team with all that talent on the roster? No, and it seems like they should be better. And look, there were you know, rumors, not even rumors. There was a story month, month and a half ago that Nate McMillan was thinking about stepping down, kind of a suggestion that maybe he and Trey Young weren't seeing eye-to-eye with that team. There's, there's too much talent there, but that's that's no excuse for losing the way the Suns did last night. And unfortunately, what we've seen this year, more so than really at any time during the Monty Williams-Chris Paul era, we've seen a Suns team that will lose like that this year, right? Like, I, I didn't go back and look at the, the schedule. I bet if I did, I'm going to find at least a half dozen games so far this season that were just like last night, that was just an absolute no contest by halfway through the 
second quarter. And that's, you know, I, I don't know how deeply disturbed to be by that. I don't know how concerned to be by that. But it has happened this year far, far more frequently than it has. I remember a Nuggets game not too long ago, pretty recently, where they just got absolutely torched by the Nuggets. It was recently. It was this month. It was the one. It was the time they played them, I think, after Christmas. Not Christmas Day, because they were very competitive on Christmas Day. But then they played them shortly after. I I vaguely remember that as well, too. Sunday, January. Where is it? Hold on. I just had. There it is. Wednesday, January 11th. The Suns lost to the Nuggets 126 to 97. Okay, there's one. Monday, January 16th. Suns lose to the Grizzlies by 30, 136 to 106. Um, Wednesday, December 28th, against the Washington Wizards, Suns lose 127 102. Oh, I remember that one. I mean, there, you know, and I, I, did, I, may, I should have done this before the show. I don't know why. Suns, um, Let's see. I'm looking for other ones here that kind of support what yeah, I'm you, talking you, you about. Point but, is, you know, but my point is the, made, how about, right? How, like, about the, how about the Knicks? Didn't they get beat up by the Knicks really bad? Do you got the schedule in front of you? I do. I'm looking for it. 102-83. Clobbered. by 19. Yeah, Randall was unbelievable. Remember that? I remember yeah. that oh, game. Yeah, I remember that. And I think the Suns made it a little closer at the end, but that game was like a 30-point game the whole time. Yeah, I remember that one now. Yeah, so again, yeah. that's kind of my point is, yeah. is that, you know, and I don't know how much we're supposed to, was it just one of those nights? Why does this team seem to have those nights more often it's, than, is it just because they don't have Devin Booker and they're just waiting for him to get back? No, I no, don't know. I, think it's, I, think that, I think there's a theme here, and I just looked up that Nick game. This, they were three for 17 from deep. Um, they were fourteen. They were three for seventeen from deep. What did the Suns do? Like couldn't hit a three point shot. So if you can't hit a three point shot in a basketball game in this day and age, you're not you're not going to be competitive. I mean, Atlanta was knocking them down like it was going out of style, and the Suns were missing everything, everything from oh. three point range. My least favorite number from last night's game: mm-hmm. the Hawks had a forty five point advantage from distance last night. Okay, but well, that's the game. That's, like, that's uh, the that, that's what yeah. the NBA is. Like, I think the theme would be, and I know the Nick game, the Nick game that the Suns got blown out, they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. If you don't knock down three point shots and the other team is you're going to lose like yeah. you're and 45 point like they, there it is so what what stat more describes that game than that the suns couldn't knock down a three and atlanta was hitting all of them 19 made threes by atlanta four made threes by there's the your suns. 45 points right there fallout boy is headed to talking stick resort amphitheater for their so much for dust tour on june 30th tickets go on sale tomorrow you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at arizonasports.com another Day, and the Cardinals still don't have a new head coach, but we got a fresh batch of rumors to share with you, and we'll do that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. One of the more recent candidates for the Cardinals coaching search, Lou Anarumo, was on the Open Mic podcast. This is him talking about hypothetically being a head coach. I think it's all about relationships. I think it's all about connecting with all of the players on the team, not just a particular group of guys on the team. It's all of them. And um, that's that's one of the things I've, you know, as you mentioned, I'm not a guy that's going to go out there and toot my own horn, but I've always been able to get along with people and 
Um, that's what this business is, and that's what that job entails. It's leading men in the in the direction that sometimes they don't want to go. Um, and you know, to me, uh, that's what uh, makes a good head coach, among other things. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping for that uh, uh, chance at some point. We'll see if that chance comes with the Arizona Cardinals. Gambo, at this point, his name is right up there with all the yeah. other six candidates in addition that we've heard to him as a possibility for the Cards at this point. No, a lot of people are talking about him now that the Bengals have been eliminated and and he's you know making some rounds. There's a lot of people talking about him. I mean, you sent an incredible story about how he's the Mariano Rivera because he you know his ability to close out games and you know just showing what he's done in the second half. You know, Baltimore seven points, Buffalo three points, Kansas City ten points, and then you look at the playoff games from last year. Las Vegas had six, Tennessee had ten, Kansas City had three, the Rams had ten. Like you know, seven playoff games. His defense has given up an average of seven points in the second half of games. What does that mean? Guy's great at halftime adjustments. Guy's great at going into the locker room and saying, okay, this is what they did well. This is what they're going to want to do in the second half. Let's find a way to take that away. So, you know, that's really good. Listen, it's a quality candidate. I mean, he's a quality candidate. The thing that, you know, that if you did hire a Luana Rumo or an Aaron Glenn or You'd be high, for the third straight time. You would be hiring a coach with no head coaching experience. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter. But Steve Wilkes had no head coaching experience. Cliff Kingsbury had no coaching head coaching experience. This would be the third time in a row that you would go with a coach that had no head coaching experience. I mean, I would prefer, and I think I've been pretty clear about this, I would prefer a, a new head coach that does have some experience, but then I would also prefer Lou Anarumo to Vance Joseph, uh, only because I, I think they desperately need something new in the room. So I'm not hung up on the he's got to have coaching experience, and I know that's probably not fair to Vance. Vance is a good guy. Vance is a good coach. I just feel like this circumstance warrants a completely different outside voice in the room and no leftovers from the last couple of years, and I think Vance kind of gets caught up in that. But but it's I'm hoping that they hire somebody with previous head coaching experience, but I also, you know, there are lots of guys who are successful. Look at what Brian Dable did this year. Look at what, you know, Zach Taylor has done. I mean, there are plenty of guys sure. who don't have head coaching experience previously who come in and do a great job. So I, I don't want to get too hung up on that, but I always thought that was kind of important. Yeah, there's a, a lot of things as he gets the most out of his players. He know, knows how to take advantage of what they do well. Like you, you know, you've got a guy, you've got certain coaches have a system and a style and you've got to adapt to that. And then other coaches, they'll adapt to you. They'll adapt to the talent that's on the roster. And so, you know, I, I could run a 3-4, I could run a 4-3, depending on what my personnel is. You know, I could play a lot of nickel uh, coverage or I could play some dime, like dime coverage or I could just go man to man. I mean, it's just certain things you could do, you know, cover two, depending on what your talent level is that will allow you. So it seems like Lou Anarumo is a real good coach at saying this is what my this player does best. I'm going to put him in a position to exceed. Jay Feely was a guest on the Wolf and Luke show yesterday. And of course, we're very good friends with Jay. We talk to him all the time during the show. Uh, he had glowing comments about Coach Anarumo. You know, but there, there's some guys, you know, they got Lou Anarumo coming in. I think the world of Lou, I think he could be an excellent head coach. He's 
He's as good as it gets when it comes to defensive coaches in the NFL right now and scheme and shutting down the best quarterback. So there's certainly some guys out there that, that are very good that they can still go get a, a great uh, head coach. But again, I want to be clear about this. There are no, best I can tell, there are no indications or even rumors from credible, qualified people who are reporting on such things linking Lou Anarumo to the Cardinals other than he is interviewed for the job. I mean, in fact, if anything, if I'm going to run through kind of the latest round of rumors here, it is truly, absolutely all over the map in terms of the candidates right now. A story on CBSSports.com from their NFL insider Jonathan Jones, the Arizona Cardinals uh, head coaching candidate Aaron Glenn is to have a second interview with the Colts. That's one that I've got. Uh, Here's another one that I've got. This is from Michael Silver, a longtime NFL insider with the NFL Network. Now he's with the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, He reports that the 49ers might have interest in Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator if he were to be let out of his Cardinals contract, Um, but he also writes that he is still very much a viable candidate to be the Cardinals' next head coach. Uh, That's a possibility that's kind of floating around out there. Apparently Brian Callahan, the guy the Cardinals are allegedly speaking to today, he might have a second interview with the Indianapolis Colts as well. There's, There's so much stuff out there right now, Gambo, that it is truly hard to kind of keep up with it all because it's just so many names and so many different scenarios being thrown around out there. Sure, sure. And, you know, the, the thing I said yesterday is I do think, you know, that you may say there's no rush on the head coach, but you, you do want to try to get this done so that way a coach can go fill out his staff. You know, is who's his, who's going to be his coordinators, who's going to be his wide receiver coach, his quarterback coach, his secondary coach, his linebacker coach. You want to give him every opportunity to go get the guys that are out there because now you know, a lot of people are looking for jobs. And so you want to go out there and be able to get the right coaches, you know, that could work with the, with whoever the head coach is. So I understand there's no real rush to it, but you also do want to get it moving so you can get that process started. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, I even missed one. I mentioned Glenn. I knew I had another one to talk about here. Josina Anderson tweeted out, quote, I'm told Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn is also expected at this time to get another look for the head coach job in Arizona as well, whether for Formal, formal or informal, according to a league source. One thing I wanted to talk about here, and, and I know we kind of danced around the topic a little bit late last week, is is that of Vance Joseph now. So here's Michael Silver, and he's reporting that, hey, maybe the 49ers would have interest in him as their D.C. if the Cardinals let him go. The word that Michael used to describe his candidacy in Arizona is viable. Um, there was you and I talking last week. There was a moment there where I thought, man, I wonder if they're just going to circle back to Vance. And Me, then too. We, Me too. And, I, and I, just, I don't know what to make of him in the midst of all of this because he does check some boxes, but then he does leave Cardinal fans longing in other areas. That's for sure. I I think that with D'Amico Ryans leaving the 49ers and then Fangio's done with the Dolphins, right? Isn't that deal done? Yes, Fangio, Fangio is, going, is to the going to the Dolphins. That with D'Amico gone, that you know that that Vance would be a great candidate 
to go to the 49ers. Like, I think he'd be a great candidate to go there. But again, like, Vance isn't going, you know, if Vance has an opportunity to be to D.C., Michael's, Michael will have let him know that you're no longer under consideration for the head coaching job here. So if Vance does go do an interview there, I would think that that would signify that he is, you know, not going to get the head coaching job there. And I think it's fair that if, you know, if, you, if you've interviewed guys and you're going to move on, not hire them to let them know so that way they could go get other jobs. Yeah, I mean, and that's that is the fair thing to do. There's no doubt. I read another story today that suggested that Sean Payton might try to see if he can get his Euro Vero to stick around as his defensive coordinator. Right. They're supposed to meet, I think, today. Yeah, I, I think so, right? And and so that might, depending on what Vero's been told about his candidacy, both in Indianapolis and Arizona, that maybe he knows he's free to look for a D.C. job because he's not going to get a head coaching job this cycle. The, the Vance thing is just, I, I, I just wonder, and I don't know this, I just wonder, if you go out and you talk to seven, eight, nine different guys for the job, and none of them absolutely blow you away, and you've got a familiarity with Vance, will that comfort you, you know, if you're Michael? Will that be the, you know, we, we know how very rarely this team goes outside its own organization to hire a general manager. They did it this time around, but if they don't find anybody they like, I, I just, I have to wonder how comforting the idea of going with what you know in Vance will appeal to them. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be, but in my mind, I just can't help but think about whether they would circle back to that or not. The 49ers had interviewed Vance once before. It was January 2017. January 2017, they interviewed um, Vance Joseph. So they did interview, you know, him for their head coach opening at that time. So he was 44 years old. He was their D-backs coach for a number of years. Um, so, and that, that's when the Broncos also interviewed him. Um, and it was after the Dolphins had a wild card game against the Steelers. And so the Bengals have had always had some interest in 2015. They wanted to make him when he was with the Bengals. They they wanted to make him their defensive coordinator and assistant head coach, but they got blocked from speaking to him by Cincinnati. So in 2015, they went after Vance, the 49ers. They got blocked by the Bengals. Then two years later, they 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 interviewed him for the head coaching job, and he ended up you know obviously going to Cincinnati. So there has been some ties with Vance and the 49ers, which would make some sense if they if they actually looked at him to be their DC right now. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line when it comes to the Cardinals and the coaching search that has no end in sight, at least not yet. Text us on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Now when we come back, the Kenny Dillingham renaissance at ASU has been grabbing attention nationally. Certainly when you get one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, that's going to happen. We're going to talk with CBS Sports College football writer Dennis Dodd. His thoughts about about Dillingham and what he's seen next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's been a whirlwind 60-plus days. Kenny Dillingham's first couple of months on the job as the head coach of Arizona State University's football team. Uh, certainly yesterday was a high point with the commitment of Jaden Rashada, one of the top quarterback uh, commits in the country, signing with ASU. And, and like I say, it's just been an absolute whirlwind. And one guy who documented it really well in a story 
story that was on CBSSports.com. Joins us right now here on the Burns and Gambo Show, talking about college sports writer Dennis Dodd, who joins us here on Burns and Gambo on this Thursday. Dennis, welcome to the show. I'm Dave. This is Gambo. We appreciate your time. Yeah, I listen to you guys a lot. I'm here in, uh, in Scottsdale right now, but thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. No, you do a great job. I love reading your stuff. We, we had we had Kenny Dillingham in studio for three segments when he when he got the job. Then we had him on the show yesterday after the big announcement, getting one of the top quarterbacks in the country. But I love the line in your column today. It just really blew me away, and it just really speaks to the, to, to the job that Kenny has done. He's 32 years old, but he's been an offensive coordinator at Memphis, Florida State, Auburn, and Oregon. That shouldn't be for a 32-year-old, right? That should be some, for somebody with a vast amount of experience. So at 32 years old, he does have a lot of experience coaching football. He has a lot of experience. I think at only two of those did he actually call the plays, but that's less of a point than being an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 or at an FBS school when you're in your 20s. I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been the young guy at 17, he blows out his knee. At 21, he's the offensive coordinator at Chaparral. Um, at one point, he was the youngest coordinator, I think, in the American uh, or in the SEC when he was with Auburn. I don't have a way to prove that. I think that was the case, but that would have put him in in his 20s four years ago at Auburn. So he's a bundle of energy, as you guys know, and I think that's what's gotten him to this point so quickly. And I think that's what ASU needed. I mean, listen, we went through the Herm experiment, and it was it was a failure. It was a big failure, and Herm started off with a lot of energy, but I, the job just beat him down over the years, and at the end, I mean, you wrote about it, he wasn't even recruiting players at the end. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the job wore on him, it beat him down, the investigation. ASU needed some new blood, somebody that could pump some excitement and energy into the program. We're seeing that with the way Kenny Dillingham is recruiting right now. Yeah, to the point that, you know, the ongoing NCAA investigation was like my 10th question. It was like my last question when I talked to him in his office that day. It's like, oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> there's so much momentum going that they will overcome, you know, whatever that has to bring, whether it's a, you know, a, year, a bull ban or whatever scholarships. And that's why he's doing what he's doing. When I found out, he had was going to have as many as 27 transfers signed. I had to circle back, and I said, where did this come from? And he started telling the story of when he got there. It turned, and he said 53 or 54 scholarship players. 24-7 is reporting there were 47 scholarship players on the roster. Seven of them form a walk-on. And so the line that I love in that story from Kenny is that we were trying to flip the roster. We were trying to field the team. You know, this isn't USC from last year. We're just trying to get out on the field. But, and and this, this, the moment comes to meet them because this is a one-year, oh, I guess, thing with the NCAA where they provide a waiver where you don't have to adhere to the 25 scholarship limit. This is a, kind of an answer to COVID, to get even with COVID. As long as you stay at 85 or, you know, at 85 or below, you can recruit as many guys as they want. So we're talking about 40 new, at least 40 new faces. At, uh, at ASU. Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, wrote a really good piece about Kenny Dillingham, and obviously there's a lot of attention on Kenny Dillingham after the, the, the big announcement yesterday. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, since you've been covering college football for so long, one of the things ASU said when they hired Dillingham or when they were looking for Herm's replacement was the acknowledgement that they needed to find a young guy kind of filled with the energy required. Did you feel like the job of being a college football coach 
with NIL and things like that, the changing landscape has kind of a baked-in requirement that you have to be young and energetic, but it might help, especially when it comes to a situation like ASU? Oh, yeah. You can you can complain all you want about oh roster management, roster management, and all this. But at the end of the day, if you don't embrace it and make it part of your job and accept it, then you run out the door. I mean, I, I kind of use the example of Gary Patterson. He was kind of that negative guy. These guys don't deserve the NIL money. Well, he found himself out on the street after eight games last year uh, at TCU with a quote-unquote mutual agreement that he let go. And they bring in Sonny Dykes, who's full-on with all of it. I mean, they, had, they were one of the biggest transfer stories last year. Um, and they got to the championship game bringing 14 transfers in. Um, so they were really on top of it. So this has to be an absolute part of what you're doing. Um, this is only four years old. The portal started in October of 2018. And the, uh, and the one-time the one transfer exception, you, know, you can transfer once without sitting out, that, that only became started in August of 2021. So it would help. To have energy, have a knowledge of it, and embrace it. Nick Saban has it. Nick Saban, those guys complaining about it. Nick Saban is working it like a madman. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the the big question, if you're an ASU football fan, for me, one of the big questions I would have is: All right, this recruiting is great. Rashad is fantastic. All these new faces are great. Dillingham is he's just a live wire man. He's awesome. What does that look like in the fall? Well, what? What? How does? And I know. I don't expect you to crystal ball it and know the answer, but what do you yeah. think that might look like in the fall? Because it's, it's one thing to win all this stuff in January and February. It matters the most in September, October, and November. How do you think it translates? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a transition year. I think the big picture for Arizona, the big picture for Colorado, the big picture for a team like program like Oregon State, all those in the Pac-12, is that without USC – and UCLA, and with the addition of the expanded playoff, you're talking about all three of those schools, you know, traditionally not great programs, having a shot at not only the Pac-12, but the playoff. You win the Pac-12, you're in the playoff, virtually guaranteed. So that gives something that Arizona State hasn't had in years. We know about the last Rose Bowl in 96 and 97. Um, I think this, if you can do it, if you can capitalize and much the same thing is going on in Colorado with Dion. You can win this league. Um, it's pretty much wide open. It, you know, Utah's right there three out of four years having played for it, I think. Um, but it's open now without USC and UCLA. Yeah. I wanted to just comment on your point earlier about the transfers. I mean, Alabama lost two games this year. Both of them were to transfer quarterbacks. So it just goes to show you what the transfer portal could do if you use it right. But to your point on your column, you mentioned some of the, some of the really good players that Kenny Dillingham has been able to bring in. You mentioned the, you know, the, the Texas kid and, and the Notre Dame quarterback and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and some of the kids they got. But let's, let's go with Jaden Rashada for a second here. How big of an impact can he make? Is he the type of player that other players may say, hey, I want to go play at ASU because I want to go play with Jaden Rashada? Yeah, I mean, it could have that Pied Piper effect. I mean, it at least uh, creates a competition um, because before Drew Pine came in, they didn't have much in the quarterback. And I don't know, you know, you at least want to create a competition. You know, Drew Pine may, may come out of this the, the starter. Um, you know, Jaden's only going to be a freshman. You know, we'll see. 
But at least you've got that situation where you've got a choice, um, depending on how those guys go, go ahead. You know, from each other. I talked to Kenny. I said, look, I'm not a recruiting expert. Give me some names here. Who are these guys that may be difference makers? And we miss, uh, mentioned Prince Dorbaugh, the edge guy, the transfer from Texas. He mentioned... Oh, what was the other guy? Um, the UNLV kid. Uh, oh, the center. Uh, the UNLV kid. The, the center. Leaf yep. uh, Fontana. Yep, UNLV. Say. Yep. Uh, you know, again, not not a sexy position, but the center basically is the smartest guy on the team. Um, you know, at least the smartest guy on the offensive line. Got to make up the line calls. He's got to be good at what he does. Uh, recognize things on defense. But that's a ready-made guy. Maybe can plug and play. But I think they just look. They just upgraded. Going back to your previous question, I didn't really answer it. I don't. I can't put a number on it. You know, three and nine to what? I don't know. I think they're going to be better. Uh, I think they're going to have a better chance to win. They're certainly going to have depth. Um, you mentioned the, the line. He said there about Thurman. They just stopped recruiting, and I said, "Why? I don't know." You know, they were 103rd in uh, on this day a year ago. Arizona State was 103rd in recruiting. Now they're as high as 36, I think, on some of these books. Right. I, I mean, I was here for the great years with Bruce Snyder, and then there was Dirk Cutter, yeah. and obviously Dennis Erickson and Todd Graham. And, you know, we've gone through the coaches here for, for a while. And a lot of people always say, oh, yeah, he's used a sleeping giant. They haven't been to the Rose Bowl since Jake Plummer and Juan Roque and those guys. And they've kind of been a, a mediocre program for a lot of years. But a lot of people feel that if you get the right coach in, the sky is is the limit for ASU. They could be competitive every year to win a championship. Do you believe that that this program here can be competitive every year in the conference and get to some big bowl yes. games? Yeah, that's been one of the biggest mysteries of not only Pac-12 or college football, but of life. Why can't Arizona State be more consistent? <laughs> you know, I've always said this for years. I mean, you should be able to find 85 dudes who want to chase the weather, who want to chase the women, to be frank, um, <laughs> yes. who, who, who want to be at a top school uh, in a major conference, uh, you know, again, in the weather with a chance to win. I, I've never gotten it. Maybe it's just because of the inconsistency of coaching, bad hires, or whatever. But, look, Ken, Kenny Dillingham, at age 32, is a guy, if he succeeds, is going to be here for his career. That's how, I think we've seen that emotionally from him. This is what he did for 13 years in his car, he told me, driving to work at his various jobs. He would practice his acceptance speech at Arizona State. Yeah, and he, he was about as close to the job as you and, you and I are. Right. Um, and so now he's got it. So if he succeeds, he's going to be here a long well, time. And we feel old because Kenny tells us that he used to listen to our show when he was a kid. <laughs> like I think with his dad, yeah. he used to listen to the show when that he wasn't even able to drive. Really so yeah. yeah, that makes us yeah. feel really old, really old. That's great. Yeah, Dennis. Hey, we appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for checking in on us when you're in town. Enjoy your stay here in Arizona. Don't know how long it lasts, but we appreciate you being here, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dennis. Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, talking about Kenny Dillingham, ASU, and everything that went down yesterday. When we come back, one week from right now, we will know what will the Suns have done at the NBA trade deadline. We got some new ideas, some new buyers, some new sellers, some new proposals, and we'll share them next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Local sports leader, driven by Sanderson Ford.
The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. And in the Achin Community Studios, we've got our own Eric Ruby. He's got today's Twitter poll question of the day. What are we asking of the folks on this Thursday, Rubes? It's all-star season, not just in the NHL. We got Bill Armstrong coming up at three, but also in the NBA. The NBA All-Star voting is underway. The reserves are going to be announced soon. So the question today is, honestly, when you look back at this season's contributions from Devin Booker, should he be an All-Star? Yes or no? No. No. No, no, not enough games. He shouldn't. He just didn't. Gambo's right. He just didn't play enough games. But Zion's a starter. Well, that's different. That's fan vote, right? Yeah. I mean, and so you can't. I mean, that's mostly fan, but you can't really control that. Um, you, Devin was was you know was trailing in the fan vote the the last month, month and a half when they've been releasing it. And then once they get past the starters, then it becomes more selective than that, and more based off of your achievements and rather than just a popularity contest. And so, I I, I don't I I have zero problem if he is not named tonight. He just has not played enough games, even though he was a lock for it before he got hurt. So I'm fine with it if he doesn't. You guys want to guess the percentages of this one, what the fans think? 60-40, they think he should make it. Uh, man, this town always just gets their nose out of joint when he doesn't get into an all-star game. So I'm going to say 73 3% have a problem with it. Interesting. This one, closer than both of you expected. Gambo, you are the closest. 55.3% going with yes. 447 going with no. So a 55-45 split saying yeah. yes, he should be. Yeah, uh, but that's I mean, that's pretty close to even, which I think is kind of the recognition that he's just he's just missed too many no, games. No, missed too many games. He's just missed Absolutely. too many games. You know? And, and, you know, you can, that stuff can fly when you're a starter and you're and, and you know, there's another thing, too, I mean, depending on when he comes back. Now, there's a report from Adrian Wojnarowski. What he's saying, the Nets game next Tuesday might be his return, which kind of is in line with what you've been saying the last couple yeah, of days. Five day ramp up, ramp up period, right? So that that Nets game was kind of the one I had circled yesterday when we had that conversation. I mean, there's a great argument to be made whether from the Suns, whether I even want him playing in the game. Honestly, I don't. I mean, he's it's been so delicate with him this year. His staying healthy is so vital to this team that I, I don't want him playing in it if I'm the Suns. No way. I don't want him coming anywhere near it if I'm the Suns. Don't play. Don't play. Rest. Take time off. Don't do anything. Agree? Totally agree. So that's where I would be on that one. Week from today, Gambo. The trade deadline. Let's go. Oh, let's go. Let's do this. Let's find out what we've yeah. got. Let's see what's under the hood of this bad boy. See what we're going to do. I, I officially want to say goodbye to Jay Crowder. Come on. <laughs> I just want to say goodbye. <laughs> Sayonara. Arrivederci. Uh-huh. Uh, in every language yes. imaginable to mankind. Mm-hmm. Let's get him on out of here. So today, ESPN, and it was uh, noteworthy because there were some of their top NBA guys who were kind of chime in and in on this. Uh, six big trades we want to three see at the 2023 NBA trade deadline. Three of the six directly involved the Phoenix Suns. And I mean, we're just, which again, I think if you're just you know 
haven't listened to us in a day or two, the Phoenix Suns are going to be one of the most talked about teams in the NBA this week. Brace yourself. It's coming. I don't know if they're going to do anything, but they are going to be talked about by just about everybody. Six big trades we want to see at the NBA trade deadline. Three of them mention the Suns. You want me to run through these? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have some fun right now. Okay. Uh, Big trade number one. Jay Crowder finds a new home, part one. The Brooklyn Nets get Jay Crowder. The Phoenix Suns get Seth Curry, Kessler Edwards, and two second-round picks. Get a little bit of a shooter in Seth Curry. Okay. They get some toughness. The Nets get some toughness. When you you look at the standings, the Nets are fourth right now. They're fourth. They're just a game ahead of Cleveland and two and a half ahead of Miami, who are fifth and sixth. So they're right there. But they're also only three games away from Milwaukee at the second spot. The Nets have had a good year. They've had to go without KD for a little while. And they've got a big decision with Kyrie. But the Nets, they're all in. Like, they are all in. So absolutely a trade. That makes some sense to me. Give me the players again that they'd be getting back with Seth, Seth Curry. Seth Curry, Kessler okay. Edwards, and two second round picks. Okay. Kessler Edwards is a guy that doesn't he doesn't he don't play. He's a he's yeah, he, a, a a second round draft pick out of Pepperdine. He he just doesn't play at all. But it would give you a young guy, you know, a cheap guy to doesn't you know doesn't make any money and just to add to the roster. Curry would give you a shooter, but the real thing I think would be you know that those second round picks could come in handy in future trades. Yeah, I mean I think Seth Curry would be a body who could certainly help down the stretch. They point out. Out that the Nets, you know, in the playoffs, Curry probably won't be much of a closing lineup in a playoff game in Brooklyn where Crowder might have the chance to. I don't mind this one at all. I think Seth Curry is a usable part for Jay Crowder. Uh, and I think, you know, Kessler, and he's the last year of his deal, so you're not committing to him financially long term. Yeah. And he's hurt now. So I don't know what I'd have to take a look. I haven't paid much attention to him, but he hasn't played in a while. But you know, again, a young player that you'd have under you know you know a cheap contract at this point, and you might give him, give him a little bit of run and see if he's a guy that you know that you would want to keep. Okay, here's the biggie. Uh, right, give me the biggie, and it's from our guy Kevin Pelton. Okay, um, and maybe the next time we have him on, we'll talk to him about it. Pascal Siakam to Phoenix. Oh my goodness! Toronto Raptors get DeAndre Ayton, mm. Dario Saric. First round pick, 2026 swap right, 2027 first round pick uh, with some protections on it. The Suns get Pascal Siakam, basically swapping out Aiton for Pascal Siakam, pointing out the Raptors would want to do it because they would get basically five years younger at the position. Siakam's 29, Aiton is 24, and that the pairing of Siakam and Devin Booker would be phenomenal for them moving forward. It's it's phenomenal. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, listen, I think that they they would want you know absolutely I think they would want a Cam or Mikhail for sure uh, multiple draft picks but then if you say DA instead okay if they would do because I don't believe that there is a feeling here that Devin DA and Pascal would not be a good fit it just would not be a good fit if you had Siakam with DA so what makes that trade. Look, I don't think Toronto's trading Pascal Siaka, but if we're just having fun here... Yeah, we're having fun. I think the the guy you would want to move out is D.A., not Mikhail or Cam, because Pascal and D.A. and Devin, probably not a good fit, but Pascal with Devin and Mikhail and much better fit. So I think that fit-wise, the guy you would want to move out to allow Pascal Siakam to play at his highest level would be D.A. All right. 
Then this one, we've got about 60 seconds left. We could have a good, hearty laugh about this. It comes from Andre Snellings, one of the NBA writers for ESPN. Crowder finds a new home, part two. The Los Angeles Lakers get Jay Crowder and Cameron Payne. The Phoenix Suns get, are you sitting down for this? Patrick Beverly, what? Wenyan Gabriel, and what? Juan Toscano Anderson. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? I saw Pat this. Bev? Man, and I spilled my coffee all over the table. I'm like, oh, what? Like, like it's all over my lap. Hot coffee. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Patrick, Be- do you not know anything about anything when it comes to Patrick <laughs> Beverly and the Suns? I mean, literally, do you know nothing about how this has worked here the last few years? And, and, and what, what Patrick Beverly is around here? We're going to trade Jay Crowder for him? Yeah, no. No. Pat Bev's one of those guys that, you know, we say you love to hate him until he's on your team. I'd hate him on my team. Yeah. Right? Like, he's not like Danny Ainge where I'm like, I hate Danny Ainge. He's on my team. Oh, I love Danny Ainge. No, Pat Bev, he's on my team. I hate him. I can't stand him. There's no way. Absolutely no way. None. Freaking bum. Gabriel's an interesting player. He's, you know, Kentucky kid. He's been around. He's been on like five teams so far in his career. He's an intriguing, you know, he's an intriguing player because of his size. Um, Toscano Anderson, we know him from Golden State. He was just a role player. So you'd just be getting role players that may very, very well not be better than the role players that you currently have. I mean, Toscano, Toscano Anderson, uh, you know, doesn't play very much and he was a bench guy at Golden State and didn't play up a whole lot really there either. Um, you know, Pat Bev would give you that instigator for a playoff run to get under people's skin and, you know, give you a defensive player. Uh, that makes makes little sense to me that, that you're not really getting anything back of value. But again, this is the problem with a Jay Crowder trade is that these truly might be the type of packages you're looking at where you don't, you're not really getting anybody back that's going to help you. Just, you know, guys that will be somewhere around 8, 9, or 10 on your bench. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, speaking of the All-Star break, Coyote General Manager Bill Armstrong, kind enough to talk to us next, even though he's in the middle of his. We'll talk a little Coyotes hockey coming up on the Burns and Gambo show.